A reading from 1 Corinthians, the first chapter beginning with verse 10. Now I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you be in agreement, that there be no divisions among you, and that you be united in the same mind and the same purpose. For it has been reported to me by Chloe's people that there are quarrels among you, my brothers and sisters. What I mean is that each of you says, I belong to Paul, or I belong to Apollos, or I belong to Cephas, or I belong to Christ. Has Christ been divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I baptized none of you except Crispus and Gaius, so that no one can say that you were baptized in my name. I did baptize also the household of Stephanus. Beyond that, I do not know whether I baptized anyone else. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to proclaim the gospel, and not with eloquent wisdom so that the cross of Christ might not be emptied of its power. For the message about the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. The Word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Reading from the fourth chapter of the Gospel according to Matthew, beginning with the twelfth verse. Now when Jesus heard that John had been arrested, he withdrew to Galilee. He left Nazareth and made his home in Capernaum by the sea, in the territory of Zebulun and Naphtali, so that what had been spoken through the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. Land of Zebulun, land of Naphtali, on the road by the sea across the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. And for those who sat in the region and shadow of death, light has dawned. From that time, Jesus began to proclaim, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. As he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fish for people. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. As he went from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, in the boat with their father Zebedee, mending their nets. And he called them. Immediately, they left the boat and their father and followed him. The word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. In Matthew 12, when Peter was confronted by those who were collecting the temple tax, 
Jesus told him to cast a hook into the sea. The first fish that he would bring up from the water would have a coin in its mouth for Peter to use to pay the temple tax for himself and for Jesus. But on the day that Jesus came down to the seaside to catch his first disciples, I hope you noticed there was no hook needed. Derived from the use of hooks to catch fish for thousands of years comes the modern idea of a hook as a musical piece or a piece of writing, a device meant to capture our attention. It's that part of the song that's meant to make you go snap in your little fingers, right? The word hook has become synonymous with catching unwitting consumers with a flashy selling point or a cleverly crafted marketing scheme. So it happened to me one day as I was watching YouTube and I saw this thing called the Tesla truck. And I said, man, I want that. I was hooked. They had put something in front of me that caught my attention. Very often hooks are meant to deceive us into thinking that we need the thing that someone is offering us. But on the day that Jesus came to walk by the Sea of Galilee and catch His first disciples, He used no hooks. There were no hooks involved. There was no flashy means to catch their attention. There was no deception, no flashy rhetoric, no hyper-convincing argument, no promises of wealth, no gripping persuasion. Just two words, follow me command followed by a promise for he said I will make you fish for people the world had begun a great change in that day reality was shifting Emmanuel the one who was called God with us had walked into the region of Galilee and declared that the promise of the prophet Isaiah was fulfilled by his mere presence. That just the fact that he was there meant that light was dawning. That the kingdom of heaven had drawn near. And so he preached, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. In your midst, it is before you. I have no way of knowing if Simon, Peter, or Andrew, or James, or John had heard Jesus preach before He called them. But I see that the voice they heard required no hook to compel them. Their whole reality began to change that day. A light was indeed dawning, just as Isaiah had promised. The kingdom of heaven had drawn near in the person of Jesus of Nazareth. The people who had sat in darkness had seen a great light, including them. The people who sat in the shadow of death, on them light had dawned. Emmanuel, God with us. The one came to the shore and spoke words of nothing less than new creation and altered their reality. Their very identity shifted with two words. 
follow me. The one for whom and through whom all things were spoken into being walked into the lives of two fishermen and compelled them to a different reality. If they had heard Jesus preach before then, they may very well have been admirers of Jesus. But after this moment, they were disciples. There was no hook needed to catch them. All that was needed was the call, the invitation of the One who is God with us. It must have been that upon hearing His call to them, they knew that things could never be the same. And so they left immediately and followed Him. They would no longer be providing fish for their Roman captors, for their oppressors. They would no longer be in equipping the spread of Rome into their world. They would no longer be supporting the empire that had sat upon their throats like the heel of death itself. For they were the ones who sat under great darkness. They would no longer be fishermen for Rome. They would be fishers of people. Because Jesus came to Galilee proclaiming that the kingdom of heaven was at hand. And in His calling these four fishermen to follow Him and become something new, we see the beginnings of the church. And a reminder that we are not called simply to be admirers of Jesus, but disciples whom Jesus transforms into people who catch people. Our purpose, church, is just the same as that of Peter and Andrew and James and John. We follow Jesus and join His work of making disciples, proclaiming that in Jesus Christ, light and the kingdom have come and the reign of death is over. And dear ones, there's no hope needed. We, the church, are being conformed to the image of Christ so that we are being equipped to call others with the same voice of love, mercy, and joy that the light has dawned and we no longer need to be oppressed by our fear of death and by the thought that human voices might steal away the precious gift of the church to God's people. We are no longer left to toil and surrender under oppressive fear. To echo Paul from our first reading, we are sent instead into the world to proclaim the gospel and not with eloquent wisdom so that the power of the cross might be emptied of its power. For the message about the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us, dear ones, is it not the power of God? To know, as Paul says in Romans, that love itself was demonstrated on the cross as Jesus gave His life for us when we were still His enemies. And that love is displayed for us. The love that we are being conformed to, reshaped to, transformed to, the love of service and life. 
to be people who take up the cross and lay ourselves down for others. Is it not possible that in Jesus' call to them, those first four disciples heard that same love of God in his voice? There was no hook needed, just the presence of love. And so it is for us, church. It's through the love of Christ and the transformation that Christ offers us that we are being knitted into a great net that Jesus can wield across the world to catch others in the divine and wonderful love of God, to bring life and hope to a dark and hurting place. We are being remade into a great net to be cast into the world. To be people who proclaim the compassion and mercy of God. It is for this purpose that Jesus has called each one of us at the seashore of our life. It is for this purpose that each one of us has heard His voice reach out to us and say, follow me. And having heard that call, I ask you, will we remain by the seashore and be admirers of Jesus? Or will we be compelled by His voice to become His disciples? There's no hook. We will not be drug into the boat kicking and flipping like a wet fish. But we are invited and called into a new reality. A new life. As a great net of life in the hands of the Savior. I don't want to be just an admirer of Jesus. Though I find that I love Him more and more. I want to be a disciple and follow him. Wherever he leads. And having been called and caught by the Lord, I want to respond to his love from the very depth of my being. Though sometimes people make that hard. And I want to respond to his love by being more than just his admirer. What about you? I want to share with you a real-life example of the difference between being a disciple and an admirer. It comes in a story from a time when our country was torn apart by racial divide. And some brave farmers decided to get together and farm together, though they were different races. Stanley Hauerwas shares his story In his commentary on today's text, he writes, We are still in the early ages of Matthew's story, but we are already beginning to see what is required if we are to be followers rather than admirers of Jesus. A story that James McClendon tells about Clarence Jordan, the founder of the Quinonia community, an interracial farm in Georgia, wonderfully illumines the difference between being a disciple and those who simply admire Jesus. In the early 1950s, hear me, it is said that Clarence asked his brother, Robert Jordan, who would later be a state senator and a justice on the Georgia Supreme Court, 
to represent Quinonia Farm legally. A farm consisting of black and white farmers. His brother replied, Clarence, I can't do that. You know my political aspirations. Why, if I represented you, I might lose my job. My house, everything I've got. We might lose everything too, Bob, Clarence said. It's different for you, said, Clarence, said Bob. Why is it different? I remember it seems to me that you and I joined the church the same Sunday as boys. I expect that when we came forward, the preacher asked me about the same question he did you. He asked me, do you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior? And I said, yes. What did you say? I followed Jesus, Clarence said, up to a point. Could that by any chance be the cross? His brother asked him. Could that point by any chance be the cross? That's right, he said. I follow him to the cross, but not on the cross. I'm not getting myself crucified. And so his brother who had asked him for his help looked at him and said, then I don't believe you are a disciple. You are an admirer of Jesus, but not a disciple of His. I think you ought to go back to the church you belong to and tell them that you're an admirer, not a disciple. Well, now, if everyone who felt like I do did that, we wouldn't have a church, would we? The question Clarence said is, do you have a church? Dear ones, there is no power for us as a church in being a collection of admirers of Jesus. He is not calling us to admire Him. He's calling us to be disciples who are unafraid to take up our own crosses. He's calling us to respond to His voice. In the same way that we see Simon and Andrew and James and John respond. To leave behind the hooks and entrapments of this world. And scale Golgotha with Him. So the world might know that a light has dawned. And that those who sit under the heel of death need sit there no longer. We are called to hear the voice of Jesus and be disciples. Not admirers. To let go of our nets and follow Him so that He might knit us into one great net of love and mercy and throw that net around the suffering arms of our neighbors. This is the gospel for us today, dear ones. Amen.